back to the Prepared Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Austin, and coming at you on Sunday for another Sunday SITREP episode. So we've got a lot of stuff going on uh, in the country in the past week, uh, so I thought this would be a really appropriate uh, issue to, to have one of these uh, SITREP episodes on because we haven't done one in, in a little while. Uh, before we jump into that, uh, I'd like to just uh, thank our sponsor, EclipseHolsters.com. If you guys are out there looking for a new holster, maybe you're something leather right now, maybe you're still rocking the Uncle Mike's, head over to EclipseHolsters.com. Let Jess and the team take care of you for whatever you need. They offer it all in the waistband, out the waistband. They do Kydex wallets, they do dump trays, magazine carriers, and use our code PREPARED15. You'll save yourself 15% off on your entire order, and they guarantee that within three business days, they'll have that order out in the mail. It's pretty badass. So let's get down to it. This past week, <clears throat> President Biden uh, came out to the news media and uh, made a announcement, basically, that he's he he is uh, firmly planted on this path on uh, preventing gun violence, or so he so he claims. So he made a list of uh, of demands basically, that he's setting this plan in motion and he's urging the House and Congress to pass all these bills, um, one of which I think is already through the House, but could be wrong. Um, This isn't what the people want right now. People want COVID relief. People want the border crisis solved. People want peace back in the Middle East again. People want to deal with China. Like Gun violence really not on the top of the list for anybody in America right now, unless you're... I don't know, like a card-carrying member of like Giffords or something. I, I really don't know. But here's what, let's 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 run through this list, and I'll kind of just give you my thoughts as we go through uh, all of it. And I'm and I'm reading right reading this off of a Bearing Arms article that was dropped, uh, basically as as the president was making his uh, his I guess speech or his announcements. Justice Department within 30 days will issue a proposed rule to help stop the proliferation of, quote, ghost guns. We are experiencing a growing problem. Criminals are buying kits containing nearly all the the components and directions for finishing a firearm within as little as 30 minutes and using these firearms to commit crimes. When these firearms turn up at crime scenes, they often cannot be traced by law enforcement due to the lack of a serial number. The Justice Department will issue a proposed rule to help stop the proliferation of these firearms. So, um, I guess my biggest issue with this is then it's all the parts that we buy right now, usually online, if we're upgrading a part, replacing a broken part. Um, and yes, in some cases you're building, uh, you know, a rifle, um, that's all serialized, which means now every little thing you do is being tracked. Um, here's, okay. So with the commentary behind that, about these turning up at crime scenes, most guns used in crimes are stolen anyways. They're more often than not, and I unfortunately I don't have a statistic to kind of support this or to put in context this, but most guns are stolen or they have, they're, they're stolen, they have the serial numbers filed off. So then I ask you, if you can't actually get that serial number, if it doesn't actually belong to that person, what difference does it make? What does all the tracking in the world and reporting in the world and statistics in the world do then? It really doesn't. So it doesn't actually solve the problem of quote-unquote ghost guns. Um, 
being used in violent crime. <clears throat> and and I will say, as somebody who has been through the the pro the, like the process of uh, building just an upper receiver for an AR platform rifle, because I mean, I know right now Polymer eighty is really big. Um, they if you guys don't know who they are, they're a company that they got popular when they started selling um, polymer frames for Glock pistols. Um, and more specifically, um, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different grip angle, and it's got like the cuts and stuff on it and the stippling that people do aftermarket. Um, they came and in, into in the market when the patent for the, genera the Generation 3 Glock frame, when that patent fell out, then they jumped in. And uh, we've seen a bunch of companies uh, that are, you know, starting to make these frames now. So those are, they're called Polymer 80 because it's a 80% lower. All you have to do is the remaining like 20%, I think, um, you, you throw it in a little jig and you grind out a couple holes or something. I've never done one. I'm honestly not interested in doing one because I don't really have that much faith in my own machining and or gunsmithing skills, but it, it is a thing. Um, and that's, probably I'm thinking going to be part of this as well. So I, I just, I don't understand. Uh, the th It's not that easy. Like, could you, if you're an, an experienced gunsmith with years and years of knowledge, you might be able to build an full AR in 30 minutes. You might. Um, speaking of somebody who's sat and watched one be put together by somebody who did it as their primary occupation, you're looking at usually 30 or 45 minutes just for the upper receiver, let alone the lower receiver. And then, I mean, yeah, it's functional. Once you, So maybe optimistically, I would say you're somewhere hour 15, hour and a half. If you've got everything together, nothing goes wrong. All your tools are where they're supposed to be. Perfect scenario. But then you like, do you have an optic? Is your optic zeroed? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's just it's not as cut and dry as they would lead you to believe, which is the problem with this whole thing is it's a lot of pandering to the fear of the masses and the pandering that people don't know. Um, and I really would like to try and maybe I will right now look up ghost gun, uh, crime stats and see if there's actually anything I can find. Like I don't believe that they're oh, the third result on, uh, on Google is from Giffords.org. Ghost guns are specifically designed for criminals. That's such bullshit. I'd say more than 40% of crime guns recovered by ATF agents in California are ghost guns. So that's a statistic that's very specific to a isolated part of the country where everything is illegal, where you can't even ship the parts in. Therefore, all parts that come in are ghost gun parts. That's, I don't know if that's, uh, if that's, that's really the best statistic to throw out there, but it sounds good to people who are afraid of ghost guns. Um, but okay, so we can come back to that, but next the justice department within 60 days will issue a proposed rule to make clear when a device marketed as a stabilizing brace will effectively turns a pistol into a short barreled rifle subject to the requirements of the national firearms act. The alleged shooter in the Boulder tragedy last month appears to have used a pistol with an arm brace, which can make a firearm more stable and accurate while still being concealable. Um, so I don't understand how that makes it more deadly or more... I mean, yes, it makes a firearm more stable. You know what else does? 
a stock. I mean, what are we talking about here? Braces are essentially, yeah, it, it, I mean, call it what it is. It's the workaround to the ridiculous NFA regulations on having a barrel length um, and an overall length requirement. And, and I talked about it before when we had Corey on a couple weeks ago. When you shorten the barrel on these rifles, you're actually making them less effective. And people think you're just going to be able to like throw this under a coat and conceal it, and then everyone's going to turn into some kind of terrorist. That's it, not how braces work. Braces can be an effective substitute if you know you don't want to pay the tax stamp and you want to actually have an AR pistol um, because of some of the um, flexibility that a pistol allows. I'm just thinking about carrying in your vehicle or something like that, you know, maybe. Um, but this, again, it's just pandering. Um, you know, I don't know that we actually see that much crime carried out with an AR pistol with a stabilizing brace versus an actual AR platform rifle versus handguns and shotguns versus anything else. Okay. Keeping in mind that you're looking at these statistics of violent crime. Um, like it not AR 15s are not as bad as what they're making them out to be. It's very easy to paint them in an evil picture because it's, Ooh, they're military esque. They look like military weapons and it's like, okay, well, so what? <laughs> Every weapon looks like a military grade weapon. What do cops carry right now? Usually it's a Glock 17 or a Glock 22, you know, a 40 or a nine millimeter version of the standard Glock sidearm, right? Which is used by some military units, the SIG P320 handgun, or, you know, some version of that, which is a very popular American handgun right now. It's almost exactly identical as the SIG M17, which was just adopted into service for the army, the Beretta M9, right? It, it just because it, I mean, come on, what are we really talking about? Oh, the military uses it, so it's scary. So, what we all weapons are designed to kill, all firearms are designed to kill. That's why they're that's literally their, their reason for existing. I think we're looking at the wrong issue with this stuff by uh, you know, by attacking accessories, uh, things like bump stocks, which I'm the first one to say, I think a bump stock is stupid. Your accuracy only goes up when you when you rapid fire, full auto fire, your accuracy goes to shit, which is why you don't see a whole lot of guys on YouTube and stuff, like actual gunners. They don't, maybe you'll see some three round burst, maybe, but you don't see guys doing tactical drills and training and stuff doing mag dumps because it's not accurate. You can't. However... The bump stock ban was overturned in court recently, I believe. Now um, that that was overturned by the courts and there's an actual legal precedent, <clears throat> they're coming after stabilizing braces, which has been, you know, we went through this in December, right? So there'll be an opinion period where people have to, we, we all need to come together and flood the BATFE, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, and flood them with our opinions about how, you know, stabilizing braces aren't... Um, weapons of mass murder and they don't they don't actually make anything it doesn't make it a short barreled rifle by your own laws and regulations that you've written it doesn't make it a short barreled rifle this is the shitty part is that after biden especially campaign talking about how you can't govern through executive order and criticize the previous administration and everything president trump did which i'm pretty sure he had less executive orders than what joe biden has done in his first like 90 days um he is trying to do, pull an end around on the system and 
and basically use the the ATF um, and the the DOJ to find these find our their own set of legal loopholes essentially uh, to remove gun owners' rights and to rule these accessories as um, you know items that need to be part of the the NFA. So then at that point it's like okay, so SBR or AR pistol you have to pay your $200 tax stamp and serialize your lower, which means then if it's serialized and part of the NFA, then it does go into a tracking system, okay? Which, if you recall, it's like HR 127 or, or 1207, whatever his proposed bill right now, is to have that publicly accessible firearms database that all of our guns and all of our magazines and all of our accessories are going to be serialized and logged into a public, publicly accessible system for anybody who wants to go check on what you got. Oh, and if they think that's too much, then they can just call the government uh, according to what he thinks we should have for red flag laws, which is actually the next bullet point here. Justice Department, within 60 days, will publish model red flag legislation for states. Red flag laws allow family members or law enforcement to petition for a court order temporarily barring people in crisis from accessing firearms if they present a danger to themselves or others. The president urges Congress to pass an appropriate national red flag law as well as legislation incentivizing states, legislation incentivizing states to pass red flag laws of their own. In the interim, Justice Department's published model legislation will make it easier for states that want to adopt red flags to do so. So how are you going to incentivize states to pass these laws? For one, our government should not be offering incentive to states to pass unconstitutional legislation. That, to me, should be like... Uh, the red flag here, okay, the bell going off in everyone's head. Why is our why is our federal government offering incentive to states to pass laws like this? FYI, there's a handful of states that already have them. Uh, Colorado, Boulder, this, this shooting that that sparked all of this apparently, they already had red flag seizure laws in place. Didn't do anything to stop that tragedy, right? So. Again, this is just something that sounds really, really good to the mainstream masses that are afraid of firearms and think that people like you and I that have our guns for hunting, have our guns for home defense, have our guns for sport uses, that we don't need them. Nobody needs them. The only thing you need is maybe a hunting rifle that can hold three to five rounds. That's all you need. The government will never, you know, come for us or enter a state of tyrannical rule, which, I mean, honestly, right now, if you look at it, that's what this looks like. This looks like the like phase one prepping plan of, of flipping a country over to socialist rule, communist rule. It really does because they're, they're finding executive order ways to try and legislate out our right to bear arms. And even if these fail, right, even if, let's say, this red flag rule from DOJ doesn't happen, you know, they... They have this model, it gets published, nothing happens on the federal level. But this incentive to have the states pass these laws does happen. Well, then he, then he got what he wanted anyways, right? This administration got what they wanted anyways, because instead of them having to go through the work of federally regulating this, which would never hold up in the courts, I'm fairly confident, the states did it themselves. So then they get they get what they want with half the work and half the effort. And all they got to do is send a, you know, is go, it basically it's, it's bribing government officials at the state level to take away citizens' rights. I, I don't, I don't understand I, I, that at all. That should be, 
we should all be writing to our congressmen, our, our representatives uh, at, at multiple levels, letting them know how, um, how wrong that is and how wrong that sounds, because that's awful. We're going to incentivize the states to take away their own citizens' arms. Let me just point out again, these are elected representatives that are supposed to be working to protect our interests and our rights and our liberties and our freedoms. Our tax dollars literally pay their salaries. I know people hate hearing that kind of thing, like when you're talking about police officers and stuff, but these are politicians. These aren't people that go out there and put their lives on the line every day. These are people that that make $250,000 a year, which is like five times what some of us make, right? They only work like 100 days out of the calendar year. The rest of the time, they're they're traveling and they're vacationing and they're having work meetings in nice exotic locations and they're visiting special interests and they're going on tours of factories and they're, you know, kissing hands and shaking babies and whatnot. You know, these this is their job is literally to protect our interests, not to push their own political agenda. People have it twisted. We don't elect them because of their political agenda. We elect them if what their beliefs are align with our beliefs which is subject to change midterm as the world changes. Okay, we, we've seen it. Look at, look at what happened with 9-11. Oh, hey, counterterrorism wasn't a big thing on everybody's list during the elections. Bush came into office. Nine months later, boom, September 11th hits. All of a sudden, terrorism and domestic terrorism and counterterrorism is a huge hot-button item, right? So subject to change, my friends. Next point. The administration is investing in evidence-based community violence interventions. Um, these are proven strategies for reducing gun violence in urban communities through tools other than incarceration. Now, to me, this says, uh, <laughs> so, so it goes on to say, because cities across the country are experiencing a historic spike in homicides, um, mostly due to the rioting and the looting um, and the all-out ridiculous behavior of people that are hiding behind the Black Lives Matter movement. And that's not a that's not a dig on that movement. That's a dig on the people that are going out there causing mass destruction and mass chaos and looting and acting in general like assholes and hiding behind that movement. There's a difference between being a protester and then being a rioter asshole. Okay? That's why we're seeing these homicides go up. Okay? So... And this administration is taking a number of steps to prioritize investment in community violence interventions, which I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in favor of stuff like that. If there's ways to reduce violent crime through evidence-based uh, interventions here, I don't know what that necessarily looks like. I'm in favor of that. Okay. Yeah. Incarceration. Cool. The prison system is a gigantic draw on our budgetary system. Okay. I don't think that prisons should be a for-profit uh, industry in this country, we I think we definitely have too many incarcerated individuals. Um, a lot of times for crimes that they really shouldn't, you know, um, really shouldn't get, I mean, like 10 years for holding an ounce of weed or something. You know what I mean? Like we hear that all the time, especially because now marijuana is being legalized. Now, personally, I don't advocate for marijuana use. That's just me personally. Like I have a lot of friends that smoke that utilize it for a lot of different things. Hey, cool, man, like follow the rules, just be a genuine, decent person, don't get behind the wheel after you, you, you know, you smoke up and I really don't care. Like live your life, be happy, do what you want to do, you know, which is the same thing I kind of ask and expect when looking at gun rights. Um, but 
that's kind of a different subject and we don't really get the same amount of respect because ooh guns well narcotics are apparently not an issue but um so the three bullet points they outline with this uh evidence-based intervention is American Jobs Plan uh, proposes a $5 billion investment over eight years, which is great because our president's term is actually only four years, um, but it's great that it proposes over eight years to support community violence intervention programs. A key part of community violence intervention strategies is to help connect individuals to job training and job opportunities. I don't know if, I mean, I guess I get what they're what they're trying to to get at with that is crimes of necessity. People are just committing burglaries and crimes to get money so they can make ends meet. I guess I could see part of that. Um, but people have to actually want to go out and get job training and want to go out and get jobs. A lot of times, at least in experiences that I've personally encountered, um, in my real life, so to speak, um, people want to make X amount of money and then they get offended. If you say, well, you don't really have the necessary credentials for that. If you start now in a year or two, you'll get to that point but here's what we can offer you now. People act like it's a slap in the face and it's like, well, yeah, everyone has to start somewhere, you know? So people have to actually, I'm not saying this is a bad idea. I'm just saying people have to actually want the help. Um, the U S department of health and human services is organizing a webinar and toolkit to educate states on how they can use Medicaid to reimburse certain community violence intervention programs like hospital based violence interventions. That sounds weird to me too, because Medicaid is like drastically underfunded and people that are living on with Medicaid as their sole uh, insurance already don't have a great, uh, don't have a great experience with it from what I'm told. Now, obviously I'm not on Medicaid. I, I work, um, you know, I'm in my early thirties. I, I'm not there yet, but I know that the, those plans aren't exactly the greatest right now. So it's not exactly the first place I would look for um, diversion of funds. For extra money just laying around. Um, I, I feel like that's probably not a great idea. I could be wrong, but I feel like that's not great. Um, the last point they outlined is five federal agencies are making changes to 26 different programs to direct vital support to community violence intervention programs as quickly as possible. Uh, these changes mean that we can start increasing investments in community violence interventions as we wait on Congress to appropriate additional funds. That actually doesn't sound too bad. Uh, I'm just being honest here. Um, I think some of our federal agencies are overfunded for the, um, I guess, for the positive impact that we see from them. You know, I think there's a lot of agencies, and and there's a ton of agencies, right? Um, there's a ton of them. They're all funded. They all got to pay people. They all pay people's benefits. Um, I mean, personally, let's just say what we're all thinking. How much money would it save the federal government if we abolished the ATF? I don't know. Um, but I mean, there's definitely, I think if you look at the, uh, the overall balance sheet across the government right now, there's definitely places to save money, um, on programs, on agencies that, that just aren't effective anymore. Everybody goes through it. Companies go through it. Um, downsizing, restructuring, whatever you want to call it, you know, so this might be the one part of this that I actually, uh, agree with is restructuring within the federal government to find the excess funds to take care of that. Um, next point, the justice department's going to issue an annual report on firearms trafficking. Um, in 2000, the ATF, uh, issued a report summarizing information regarding its investigations into firearms trafficking, um, which is one 
uh, way firearms are diverted into the legal market where they can easily end up in the hands of dangerous individuals. Since the report's publication, back again, back in 2000, which is like 20 years ago, um, states, local, and federal policymakers have relied on its data uh, to better thwart the common channels of firearm trafficking. But there's a good reason to believe that firearms trafficking channels have changed since 2000, duh. For example, due to the emergence of online sales and proliferation of ghost guns, the Justice Department will issue a new comprehensive report on firearms trafficking and annual updates necessary to give policymakers the information they need to help address firearms trafficking today. So uh, firearms trafficking, okay, good, combat that, because that's bad. When I think firearms trafficking and what I'm sure everyone else that hears the term trafficking or firearms trafficking means just like sex trafficking, human trafficking is the illegal trafficking over international borders um, by criminals. You know, the word cartel comes to mind and that might be incorrect as well. However, reading through this, as I just said, um, for example, due to the emergence of online sales and proliferation of ghost guns. So it sounds to me like they're hiding behind some, um, very, some very provocative verbiage by saying firearms trafficking. And what it's really doing is asking the DOJ to have an annual report on gun sales, gun parts sales, and track the flow of this, uh, um, merchandise, I guess. Uh, to American citizens so they can better direct where to restrict things. That's what this sounds like to me because they brought in the part about ghost guns and the emergence of online sales. Online sales of firearms, okay, because this is firearms trafficking we're talking about, still have to go through an FFL, a federal firearm licensee, okay? Your local gun store is an FFL, which means all that happens is you go on to Palmetto State Armory or you go on to Bravo Company USA or whatever company, okay? You have to buy the whole gun. You just have to buy a lower receiver, the serialized part, right? The part that has the trigger, it makes it go bang. And you spend 500 bucks plus shipping and it goes not to your house, which they will all tell you, it goes straight to your house. You buy it through the mail. There's no problems. That is a 100%. I'm telling you now, it's 100% false. There is no way that that can happen unless you yourself have a FFL license, in which case you've gone through, oof, you've gone through a lot of hoops and a lot of background checks and spent a lot of money and gone through all the legal red tape to become an FFL, which if you have, Hey, cool. That's pretty badass. I will say that like 9.999999% of out of 10, sorry, whatever, like almost everybody is not an FFL. Anybody that owns a gun. I've not met a single person. That's not true. I've met one person who has an FFL. They also own a gun store. Um, you know, a retail business. So you can't just order a gun online or gun and, you know, and have it shipped to your house. You can order some parts. Yes. But if you are, you can't just buy a gun and have it shipped straight to your house. That's not a thing. It has to go to the FFL where you have to go in person. You have to provide photo ID, kind of like they're bitching about wanting for, you know, voting in Georgia right now. You have to fill out the form. It's like a four-page form, and they have to run the background there, and then you complete the sale. And if it's an AR pistol with a brace or something or a handgun, then you're directly responsible for dropping that registration slip off at your local police department, which then would mean there's a paper trail, which means then it can be tracked. So again, I kind of go back to 
why don't we just enforce the rules and laws that are already on the books? Why are we spending more money and stripping away more of America's rights when we already have access to so much of this information? And so, you know what I mean? It just, it's very disingenuous. Um, and it's easy for the left because they can just talk about how scary this is and how many guns there are out there. And it's like, okay, well, there's that, that there's cars out there too. You know how much alcohol we sold during lockdown? You think drunk driving is on the rise right now? Because I'm pretty sure it is. Well, you you can't that's you you can't look at it that way. Well, fuck that. Yeah, you can. You really can because you're looking at the quality and the character of the individual who's using that device, whether that device is a gun or that device is a car. So, uh, I'm pretty uh, hesitant on this report because it sounds like they're diverting funds and having an annual report on how many, um, you know, on what's being bought and sold to American citizens, American consumers rather than actual firearms trafficking. And if it's really that big of a concern, maybe we should, I don't know, address the issue of the open border to Mexico where these drug cartels are bringing humans and firearms and drugs and God knows what else through and sending back out again. That's a verified thing. It's on the news. We've had senators go down there and see it. Oh no, we need to stop the wall. We need to stop construction of the wall. That's a, that's an awful idea. It's ridiculous. Well, why don't you go check out the news? Because there's a lot of border agents that are begging and pleading that they complete the wall because of how many issues they're having on the Mexican border. People are literally caravanning up from South America through Central America into Mexico to try and get into the United States. So if you're worried about firearms trafficking and maybe look at where the trafficking is coming through rather than where Americans are spending their money. That's just my thought on that. Um, here's the last one. And this is, this really, um, kind of upset me to, to read this. The president has nominated David Chipman to serve as the director of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. ATF is the key agency enforcing our gun laws, and it needs a confirmed director in order to do the job to the best of its ability. But the ATF has not had a confirmed director since 2015. Uh, David Chipman served at the ATF for 25 years and now works to advance common sense gun laws. Hmm, common sense gun laws. Um, and I'm going to go on and read a little bit more of this article because it, it really hits on everything I was kind of thinking about here. Um, again, this is on bearingarms.com. Biden fails to mention that while Chipman served in the ATF for 25 years, he's also worked for the Michael Bloomberg funded gun control group Mayors Against Illegal Guns before joining the gun control group Giffords as a senior policy advisor in 2016. For more about Chipman, including his recent uh, mockery of new gun buyers in 2020, you can read this other report. Um, yeah, so this guy has spent the last uh, however many years. Unfortunately, he's also from the Detroit area. That was really upsetting for me to hear because um, I do love my state and I love Detroit, but um, that's pretty shitty. So how can you have somebody at the head of an agency, which is to their purpose is enforcing our gun laws per what President Biden said is enforcing our gun laws. Okay. Enforcing what's already there, not drafting new policy, not drafting new opinion letters, banning and outlawing bump stocks and braces and this kind of ammo and that kind of optic or whatever. It is only to enforce the gun laws that are already on the books. But now we're bringing on somebody, well, trying to bring on somebody 
uh, as the director of the ATF, who has spent the last 10 years-ish working as a senior executive for gun uh, anti-gun groups, which is hilarious because if Donald Trump had appointed a director of the ATF who had been a former executive at the NRA, oh my God, can you imagine the fallout that we would have we would have had in this country? The rioting that would have been in this country. Oh, Trump's a racist. Trump's a bigot. Of course, the NRA. No. But it, but this is acceptable, right? To bring in somebody who is so radically left wing and so against people of uh, people owning any firearms that are deemed uh, quote unquote assault weapons. So AR platform rifles is just the start. I'm positive of it. Fun fact, this is also the gentleman who was the case agent against the Branch Davidians at the ATF-FBI siege incident in Waco, Texas. Okay, so if you watched the uh, Netflix documentary on on Waco, now it's not a documentary, I'm sorry, docu-series type thing with uh, like Taylor Kitsch. I think it was was on one of the cable networks um, and then it got... Uh, I think honestly it was like the Paramount Network. And then anyways, it's on Netflix right now. And I watched it during lockdown. Um, And I've also listened to uh, a Fieldcraft Survival podcast. Um, Mike Glover interviewing uh, Chris Whitcomb, who was a FBI HRT team member during during Waco. He was at Waco. Um, So you got like the real scoop behind a lot of this stuff. But there were definitely missteps made by the agencies um, and mismanagement by the ATF, for sure. Um, And if you do some Googling on Chipman, you can even see two years ago, 2019, he went on Twitter and uh, made a bunch of false statements and false claims about what happened at Waco. Uh, Oh, the Branch Davidians shot down two helicopters. Um, Looking at this article from uh, the New York Post, he was quoted as saying, at Waco, cult members, which they weren't a cult, uh, a lot of people called them that, but they're technically, I don't think they were a cult, but whatever, they used two 50 caliber Barretts to shoot down two Texas Air National Guard helicopters, he wrote an answer. It is true we are fortunate they are not used in crime more often. While it's largely understood the Branch Davidian members shot at the helicopters, the vessels themselves did not go down. Most notably, no Barretts were recovered at the scene of the massacre. Although all of the three helicopters sustained damage from weapons fire, none of the National Guard crews or ATF aboard were injured. A 1996 House report conducted in tandem by the Oversight and Judiciary Committees found. That is false. That's patently false. And for somebody who was the case officer on this, he should know better than anyone how that worked. And it is super disingenuous. And I'll just call it what it is. It's bullshit for him to be out there on social media, peddling lies like this, pushing an agenda like this, utilizing an incident where four ATF agents and 82 Branch Davidians were killed during this 51-day standoff, which began in February 1993. Okay, that is horseshit. But this is the man they want to they want confirmed as the new head of the ATF. And guys, if you don't if you don't see it, if you're not seeing the agenda here behind all of this, like you're you're blind. Okay, uh, it's there's it, there's layers to it. So if you know, look at we talked previously about HR was it you know, 127, 1207, whatever. If that fails, and you know his his ideas on red flag laws in that bill and his idea for the publicly accessible uh, database fail, his idea to make all, you know, magazines and firearms part of the NFA, if that fails, well, then what's the second line? Oh, now we got these opinion letters and everything that are pushing these uh, pistol braces 
making them uh, part of the NFA and making them illegal. Well, then it's going to go to court. We're going to fight it out in court. And how long did it take for, I mean, it took four years-ish, three, four years for the bump stock ban to play out in court, which, hey, uh, if that's the way this, the same way this goes with braces, that just means that uh, we're kind of screwed in that interim time between this exact possible executive order or opinion letter coming out and the actual court decision. And in that time, that's just buying the Democrat party more time to uh, fill in more legislators. Oh, or complete their study and try and pack the Supreme court. Apparently Joe Biden uh, thinks that we need to pack the court too. He has come out and said as much. So is vice president Kamala Harris. Uh, And now there's headlines coming out saying that they've launched a study to look at the efficacy of uh, the, the U.S. Supreme Court and to look at expanding the court. So while Donald Trump did get to appoint two Supreme Court justices in his one four-year term, one of which went very poorly uh, and made the Democrats look completely awful by dragging, some, by dragging a woman uh, up there to testify uh, and... It was a huge waste of taxpayer dollars and a, a huge waste of time. Um, he was confirmed, right? So so Trump uh, was able to confirm two Supreme Court justices. So, but he did it within the rules, right? We have seven Supreme Court justices. There's no, I think it's seven. Anyways, we shouldn't, you can't just change the rules to the game because you're losing the game. Does that make sense? Like you can't just change the rules to Monopoly when you discover that like your brother sitting across the table owns all four railroads and you know, the six most valuable properties on the board, you can't just say, Oh, well here, those are going to be up for vacancy now. And I can come and buy them at the original cost or whatever. Like you can't do that. You can't just change the rules because you don't like how the game's being played. This is how it works. And unfortunately we have too many people in this country that think, oh, the constitution is a living amend is a living document. These amendments, uh, Biden himself came out and said that no amendment was ever designed to be permanent and none of nothing in the constitution is permanent. That is so patently false. Thomas Jefferson himself came out and said as much. This is not a living document. Okay. And no one ever talks about like, was it like the 16th, 15th or 16th amendment that talks about tax right? Sales tax or, or, you know, income tax and stuff. But we're going to sit here and we're going to talk about how the second amendment isn't uh, important, isn't valuable, right? That's, I just, I can't, I can't. I, I urge everybody, um, go out, research these issues for yourself. Okay. All of the issues right now, honestly, the, the voting laws in Georgia, uh, all of these proposed measures against gun control, look up David Chipman, look at what happened at Waco, like do the research on your own. Don't just take my word for it. Okay. There's probably some stuff I missed too. Um, but I definitely urge everybody to reach out to your elected representatives and voice your opinion. Okay. Your vote is what keeps them in their job and they need to be reminded of that. Not their, you, not their agenda is what matters. I hope this was enlightening or, you know, educational for you guys. Um, this is something that's really upsetting for me and for most gun owners right now that once again, we're kind of falling an attack. Uh, now that the Democrat party is, I don't want to say back in power, cause that makes it sound really dictatorial. This administration feels more like a dictatorship than, than the Obama administration by, by far. Um, it kind of feels more like we're looking at what happened in the Clinton administration 
when they passed the assault weapons ban from 94 to 2004. But um, like I said, I, I hope you guys uh, are motivated by this, have learned something um, through this ranting and raving of mine. Um, get, and take some action, man. Really get involved. Even if you don't want to donate to some of these causes, like Firearm uh, Policy Coalition is a great one. Gun Owners of America is a great one. Um, personally, I will not give a dime to the NRA because they've basically just proven that they're in it for themselves and to make money, and they will lobby against gun owners' rights when it fits their needs. So that's all I got for you guys. Like I said, hopefully this was helpful. Until Until next time, Get out there, do your research, train, be responsible, and as always, like we say here, be prepared.